I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading Ezekiel chapters 42 and 43. This is the new King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. We begin with chapter 42, and chapter 42 is a continuation of the dimensions of the new temple. Verse 1, Then he brought me out into the outer court by the way toward the north, and he brought me into the chamber which was opposite the separating courtyard, and which was opposite the building toward the north. Facing the length, which was 100 cubits, the width was 50 cubits, was the north door. Opposite the inner court of 20 cubits, and opposite the pavement of the outer court, was gallery against gallery in three stories. In front of the chambers toward the inside was a walk 10 cubits wide, at a distance of 1 cubit, and their doors faced north. Now the upper chambers were shorter, because the galleries took away space from them more than from the lower and middle stories of the building." For they were in three stories and did not have pillars like the pillars of the courts. Therefore, the upper level was shortened more than the lower and middle levels from the ground up. And a wall which was outside ran parallel to the chambers at the front of the chambers toward the outer court. Its length was 50 cubits. The length of the chambers toward the outer court was 50 cubits, whereas that facing the temple was 100 cubits. At the lower chambers was the entrance on the east side as one goes into them from the outer court. Also there were chambers in the thickness of the wall of the court toward the east, opposite the separating courtyard, and opposite the building. There was a walk in front of them also, and their appearance was like the chambers which were toward the north. They were as long and as wide as the others, and all their exits and entrances were according to plan. And corresponding to the doors of the chambers that were facing south, as one enters them, there was a door in front of the walk, the way directly in front of the wall toward the east. Then he said to me, The north chambers and the south chambers, which are opposite the separating courtyard, are the holy chambers where the priests who approach the Lord shall eat the most holy offerings. There they shall lay the most holy offerings, the grain offering, the sin offering, and the trespass offering, for the place is holy. When the priests enter them, they shall not go out of the holy chamber into the outer court, but there they shall leave their garments in which they minister, for they are holy. They shall put on other garments, then they may approach that which is for the people." Now when he had finished measuring the inner temple, he brought me out through the gateway that faces toward the east and measured it all around. He measured the east side with a measuring rod, 500 rods by the measuring rod all around. He measured the north side, 500 rods by the measuring rod all around. He measured the south side, 500 rods by the measuring rod. He came around to the west side and measured 500 rods by the measuring rod. He measured it on the four sides. It had a wall all around, 500 cubits long and 500 wide, to separate the holy areas from the common. Well, here we have another chapter of Millennium Temple Dimensions. These temple grounds are going to take up a lot of space. Well, how much space, you might ask? Well, when we look at Ezekiel chapter 42, verses 15 through 20, we see that it's a lot of space. Well, unless you're reading from the NIV translation, It seemed that the editors of the NIV just couldn't believe that the temple grounds were over one mile square, 
So they changed rods to cubits in these verses to make it a mere 875 feet on all four sides, rather than a little over a mile on all four sides. Incidentally, they made this change based upon their deductive reasoning only. There are no Hebrew manuscripts that support cubits replacing rods. What reasoning did they use, you might further ask? Well, one of the contentions for those who go for cubits rather than rods, by the way, a rod is approximately 10 feet as defined in Ezekiel chapter 40, verse 5, one of the contentions that they made is that there's not a space flat enough to build a one-mile square temple facility. When I, in reply, I ask this question. When has something like creating a big flat spot ever been a problem for God? Furthermore, we know from the book of Revelation that major volcanic and earthquake activity take place around Jerusalem during the last half of the tribulation. The way I see it, that sufficiently serves as God's big earth mover. This I know, if God says the temple grounds are over a mile square, where could I possibly get the authority to discount that as too big of a feat for God? We'll see later on in Ezekiel chapter 47, the land God gave Israel is reapportioned altogether as compared to Joshua's assignments. Now, here's another note from Ezekiel's temple worth considering. When the exiles returned to Jerusalem under the Persians and rebuilt the temple in 535 B.C., why did they not go ahead and build it to Ezekiel's specifications? They revered the prophecy of Ezekiel. If they believed that these temple grounds described by Ezekiel were only 875 feet square, they could have rebuilt it right there on the existing temple mount. Well, I'm convinced they recognized that the Hebrew manuscripts indicated the existing temple mount was just not large enough to house a one-square-mile temple facility at that time. Logistically, they did not have the real estate to build such a facility, so they stuck with restoring the old facility. Oh, one more thing, if you're wondering. The Hebrew word for cubit, amah, is not even similar to the word for rod, which is kanah, and Ezekiel's uses of both measuring designations is meticulous in chapters 40 through 48. We see the glory of the Lord fills the temple in Ezekiel chapter 43, verses 1 through 12. Verse 1, Afterward he brought me to the gate, the gate that faces toward the east, and behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east. His voice was like the sound of many waters, and the earth shone with his glory. It was like the appearance of the vision which I saw, like the vision which I saw when I came to destroy the city. The visions were like the vision which I saw by the river Kibar, and I fell on my face. And the glory of the Lord came into the temple by way of the gate which faces toward the east. The Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court. And behold, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Then I heard him speaking to me from the temple, while a man stood beside me. And he said to me, Son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet, where I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever. No more shall the house of Israel defile my holy name, they nor their kings by their harlotry, or with the carcasses of their kings on their high places. When they set their threshold by my threshold, and their doorpost by my doorpost, with the wall between them and me, they defiled my holy name by the abominations which they committed. Therefore I have consumed them in my anger. Now let them put their harlotry and the carcasses of their kings far away from me, and I will dwell in their midst forever." Son of man, describe the temple to the house of Israel, that they may be ashamed of their iniquities. 
and let them measure the pattern. And if they are ashamed of all that they have done, make known to them the design of the temple and its arrangement, its exits and its entrances, its entire design and all its ordinances, all its forms and all its laws. Write it down in their sight so that they may keep its whole design and all its ordinances and perform them. This is the law of the temple. The whole area surrounding the mountaintop is most holy. Behold, this is the law of the temple. Well, Ezekiel has the vision of the glory of the Lord filling the new millennial temple. There's the description in verse 2 when it says, And behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east. His voice was like the sound of many waters, and the earth shone with his glory. Ezekiel identifies this glory of the Lord here in verse 3 as that which he saw in Ezekiel chapter 1 when he received the vision alongside the Kibar River. Incidentally, when the tabernacle was dedicated in Exodus chapter 40, and then Solomon's temple later on in 1 Kings chapter 8, 2 Chronicles chapter 5, that Shekinah glory filled each of these dwelling places of God. Then there's the altar in Ezekiel chapter 43, verses 13 through 27. Verse 13. These are the measurements of the altar in cubits. The cubit is one cubit and a handbreadth. The base one cubit high and one cubit wide, with a rim all around its edge of one span. This is the height of the altar. From the base on the ground to the lower edge, two cubits. The width of the ledge, one cubit. From the smaller ledge to the larger ledge, four cubits. And the width of the ledge, one cubit. The altar hearth is four cubits high, with four horns extending upward from the hearth. The altar hearth is twelve cubits long, twelve wide, square at its four corners. The ledge, fourteen cubits long and fourteen wide on its four sides. With a rim of half a cubit around it, its base, one cubit all around, and its steps face toward the east. And he said to me, Son of man, thus says the Lord God, These are the ordinances for the altar on the day when it is made, for sacrificing burnt offerings on it and for sprinkling blood on it. You shall give a young bull for a sin offering to the priest, the Levites, who are of the seed of Zadok, who approach me to minister to me, says the Lord God. You shall take some of its blood and put it on the four horns of the altar, on the four corners of the ledge, and on the rim around it. Thus you shall cleanse it and make atonement for it. Then you shall also take the bull of the sin offering and burn it in the appointed place of the temple outside the sanctuary. On the second day you shall offer a kid of the goats without blemish for a sin offering, and they shall cleanse the altar as they cleansed it with the bull. When you have finished cleansing it, you shall offer a young bull without blemish and a ram from the flock without blemish. When you offer them before the Lord, the priest shall throw salt on them, and they will offer them up as a burnt offering to the Lord. Every day for seven days you shall prepare a goat for a sin offering. They shall also prepare a young bull and a ram from the flock, both without blemish. Seven days they shall make atonement for the altar and purify it, and so consecrate it. When these days are over, it shall be on the eighth day and thereafter that the priest shall offer your burnt offerings and your peace offerings on the altar, and I will accept you, says the Lord God. Well, Ezekiel goes into some detail giving a description of the altar in the Millennial Temple and the cleansing sacrifices that will be necessary, just like in the old days with the tabernacle and Solomon's temple. Notice that the Zadok priests are pressed back into action for this. Now, you might wonder why the sacrifices at all. Well, they'll serve as a memorial of the way things were. 
We know that sacrifices never eliminated sins. Only Christ is capable of doing that. The Old Testament sacrifices previewed Christ's sacrificial death. The millennial sacrifices are likewise memorials of Christ's sacrificial death. Now, there are other passages where sacrifices are to be offered during the millennium. In Isaiah chapter 56, verse 7, listen to this. Even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And here's Jeremiah 33, verses 17 and 18. For thus says the Lord, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel, nor shall the priests, the Levites, lack a man to offer burnt offerings before me, to kindle grain offerings and to sacrifice continually. Then Ezekiel chapter 40, verses 41 and 42, says this, Four tables were on this side and four tables on that side, by the side of the gateway, eight tables on which they slaughtered the sacrifices. There were also four tables of hewn stone for the burnt offering, one cubit and a half long, one cubit and a half wide, and one cubit high. On these they laid the instruments with which they slaughtered the burnt offering and the sacrifice. There it is again, the burnt offering and the sacrifice. And then Ezekiel 44.11 says this, Yet they shall be ministers in my sanctuary as gatekeepers of the house and ministers of the house. They shall slay the burnt offering and the sacrifice for the people, and they shall stand before them to minister to them. And then here's Ezekiel 46, verse 24. And he said to me, These are the kitchens where the ministers of the temple shall boil the sacrifices of the people. And then in Zechariah 14, 21, Yes, every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holiness to the Lord of hosts. Everyone whose sacrifices shall come and take them and cook in them. In that day there shall no longer be a Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. And then finally in Malachi chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord, as in the days of old, as in former days. Well, as we said, these sacrifices will be offered as memorials and not as sin coverings, It's interesting, though, that the blood never loses its significance during the millennium. This altar, by the way, would be very large, about 30 feet or so square at the base and approximately 20 feet high, compared to the original altar that was just 7.5 feet square and and 4.5 feet high. This altar is huge by comparison. I should once again remind you that this is the millennial temple. When the new heaven and the new earth are created in Revelation 21.1, There will be no temple in the New Jerusalem, the new center of all worship. Revelation 21-22 says, But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walton.